not in Kansas anymore. You have my curiosity. Are you telling me you built a time machine? The force will be with you. Hello and welcome back to the Get Real Podcast, the podcast where we get real about all our favourite pop culture, films and TV shows. I'm Chris and with me is my Academy Award nominated co-host, Sam. And what have I been nominated for? Uh, Co-host of the Year Award. Oh, man. Uh, Your prize is... A second can of Iron Brew. Your own Apple Watch, which is right next to me. Oh. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So this week we're talking all about Jojo Rabbit yeah. and the Golden Globe Awards 2020. We've got a couple of bits of news to talk about, but just consider that um, we record this about a week in advance. Yep. So obviously right now the Golden Globes happened last week. Yep. So if you have missed anything, this is a perfect time to have a little recap on it. And Jojo Rabbit has only just launched in the UK Right. Yeah. Um, so I, we, we are aware that it's been out for a bit in the US, but we've only just had the chance to really watch it uh, last week. So we got a couple of little bits of news and stuff to touch on. You do indeed. So do you want to get us started, Chris? I will. Okay. First bit of news we want to talk about is one of our favorite films over sort of like the holiday break, Knives Out. We went to see that together. Yep. So Knives Out has done incredibly well with such a small budget and such an original um story it's not based off anything unlike most things in hollywood nowadays ryan johnson did a great job and he has announced he's in works on the script for the sequel focusing more around daniel craig's benoit blanc who absolutely led this led the film it was awesome i really liked it it was so so different because um we see daniel craig so much as like james bond and this really tough guy when he's actually this sudden you have my curiosity. Yeah, like that the thick southern drawl. Yeah. Is like, I did laugh the first time I heard him speaking because it was so binary opposite to anything else that he plays. He's always seems to be British and near enough everything except for Gold with the Dragon Tattoo. Yeah. But we don't talk about that remake. No, no. And all the, the, just all the comedy hits that he has and just because I don't think you expect it from his character no. because it's him. Well, you Ways do want to start watching it. But yeah, he's introduced so funny. <laughs> Excuse me, my damn. <laughs> So yeah, Knives Out sequel. Um, yeah. There is a new Mutants trailer. A new New Mutants. A new New, but it's the old Mutant. The old New Mutants trailer. It's the old New Mutants. It's the new old Mutants. They did the reshoots. They don't like the reshoots. Nobody liked the reshoots, apparently, so they've gone back to the original. Yeah, this is Josh Boone's original cut of the film, essentially, without the references to the wider X-Men films. Mm. So. I've just I literally just watched the trailer before we started recording this and it looks pretty cool yeah it's I don't def- think it looks as scary as the first trailer but that might have been because I was expecting it a bit more yeah it's definitely still got those horror hits though yeah like that first bit where the faces are in the wall like yeah. I won't lie I jumped a little bit in, yeah. my, in my chair watching it I'm wondering I didn't want you to see it though because I didn't want to be embarrassed <laughs> but... I'm wondering is that practical sort of like is clearly a reference oh, like, to cloth. Nightmare on Elm Street yeah. Yeah, and they did that behind latex, whether it's that or whether it's CGI. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, after that, um, an article has come out from uh, the Celluloid Ceiling. Um, it's a press article about women in Hollywood. So they've done a report, and luckily this year it has grown from women making up the top 21% of behind-the-scenes roles in the the top 250 films of the year. So that includes roles such as directors, writers, producers, executive producers, editors, and cinematographers. So that is up, sadly, only 1% from last year. It's a step in the right direction. We are seeing more prolific 
female members in behind the scenes, which is raising every year. Really interesting fact, before we get on to the Golden Globes, one of the winners for the Golden Globes was the Joker composer, um, who was Hildur, I'm going to butcher this, um, Guanadote, Hilda Guanadote, I think that's right. Okay. Um, The first woman in 10 years to have won an award for original score. I believe so. Yeah, so that's really cool. Yeah. To touch on that. Uh, and if then, she, we have had a female, I believe, win uh, the Oscar for Best Original Score before. But the Golden Globe uh, but it's is... been a long time. Yeah, yeah. But, like, this has led the way with, like, Olivia Wilde directing Booksmart this year, um, uh, Greta Gertwig doing Little Women, stuff like that. Like, there were so many this year. Sadly, they're not quite seeing the acclaim in the awards so far. Mm. Um, but... But it's it's, more, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, there's, it's more it's more equal. I mean, to say I two guys probably aren't the best people to be t- discussing this subject, but it is something that I know I'm passionate about, making sure that it's known what women are doing in cinema because they are pivotal points. Like even Martin Scorsese, all of them that have all worked with like female editors in the past and stuff. It's nice to see that everyone's getting recognition now. Yeah, and I think although it touches on some of the negative tropes of the industry that. Mm-hmm. A film like Bombshells coming out, yeah, that's gonna you know highlight some of that in a female film. writer and directors. I think I so. And then we have Little Women out. Yeah, Greta Gerwig's um, Little Women, who one of our friends really wants to do an episode with us on. So that. maybe we can get out and see it soon. Yeah, we we really need to see it. We could possibly we do. do Little Women and Bombshell together. We could do. We get a female female guest in. Yeah, that might be, be interesting. Nice. Let us know what you think. Yeah, at Get Real Pod on Twitter. Quick Ooh, plug. Nice plug. Nice um, and then the last little bit of news is kind of more so a rumour than what it is news. Um, there is a strong rumour right now in terms of Star Wars that the next saga of films is going to be set in the New Republic era. So that's pretty much the old... It's 400 years before the Skywalker saga, which so is what we see in all the current The films. Old Republic. Well, it's... It's known as the New Republic. But... It's the Old Republic, but it's newer than the Older Republic, so it's like... It's after so the old republic. The old games. republic happens. So in the old republic, that happens. It finishes yeah. right. That after that is the new republic. Okay, as far as I'm aware. So whether or not, depending on what is canon, because Revan is now canon, who yeah. is a big part of the old republic series. Maybe it carries on from him. But you, everything that's happened in the past has already happened. Maybe they do a new republic trilogy, and then they do an old republic trilogy and copy yeah. what happened with the Skywalker saga. Possibly, possibly. I mean, I'm not going to complain. Anything, no. anything, anything old or new, new or old. <laughs> anything old Republic, yeah. I am absolutely yeah, yeah. Down. down for. Is that? I, I don't know if you remember my pitch from like way back when, but I pitched that the next trilogy was called the Lightsaber Chronicles or something like that, the Lightsaber Saga, and it goes through like you have three films about all the stages leading up to the creation of the lightsabers as we know it today. Mm. So we see like. The beginning of like the the Sith Jedi Wars back in the day, uh, where they first create like the one before the Proto Saber. Yeah, you're talking. And then like you ancient. have the Proto Sabers, um, and then you have the Old Republic where they just go uh, where the Sith actually create the lightsaber as we know it today with the energy source inbuilt power of the Kyber Crystal. And I don't know yes. whether you remember, but with a very old channel on YouTube that shall remain unnamed. <laughs> A certain co-host did a full playthrough yes. of 
the old was Republic it the full game. playthrough? It wasn't a full playthrough. The, <laughs> channel, the channel died before yeah. that. <laughs> we got like two yeah. episodes in. But it, it was w- better than a certain other co-host playthrough yeah. of Bastion. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't um, the old Republic, the questionably worse MMORPG. It was the Knights of the Old Republic, wasn't it? I mean, the, the Old Republic was great for an MMORPG. It just didn't quite have the same level as... Knights of the Old Republic, in our opinion, yeah, that 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 has its own place in gaming royalty. Yeah. Though that game, Odor. So right. that's, that's it in terms of news, right? I believe so. Okay, so now we're going to talk about Jojo Rabbit. So as always with our episodes, um, we do a bit of a bad job about talking about this before we start talking about the film. And um, we obviously do non-spoilers for a little bit. Yeah. And um, just in case someone's going to listen to this and think, oh no, I don't want to know anything about the film. Uh, for the first part uh, where we talk about it, we try to avoid any kind of main plot spoilers. Obviously, if you want to go in completely dark, I mean, this isn't Star Wars. It isn't a Marvel film. There's not really that it's not spoiler. No, there's only like just... one or two moments I I wouldn't want to know going in. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to know how the whole thing goes. No. But we will try to avoid spoilery parts, um, and then we will give a little bit of a heads up before we start talking about spoilers. Uh, and if you want to go in completely dark story wise and stuff, so. And then we will leave a timestamp in the description as well as to when we're moving on to the Golden Globes. Yes, we'll cover that after Jojo Rabbit. Yes, everything will be timestamped in the description from where we talk about spoilers to if you want to skip ahead and listen to Golden Globes stuff yes, and indeed. you're not interested in Jojo Rabbit, but why wouldn't you be interested in this film? Because it's really good. It is incredible. So Chris, sum up Jojo Rabbit as a plot in just a few words for listeners who have not heard of this film before. Okay. Nazi boy. He's a fanatic Hitler member youth. of the Hitler youth. Well, he, go, well, he goes on a, he goes on a well, trip. I'm he? just going to summarize super okay, quick. Okay, okay. Look, look, man, I'll let you do your thing. Yep. I'm just going to shut up for a second. Okay, this is like the elevator pitch. I'm going to. This was Taika Waititi in the elevator, trying to speak to Fox Search, like uh, Fox Searchlight, trying to get this greenlit. Maybe this is how we say it from now on. What's yep. your elevator pitch for the yeah. movie? Elevator pitch. Okay. Quick. Okay. Okay. Fanatic member of the Hitler Youth. He's obsessed with Hitler and the Nazi regime. His dad's gone off to fight in the war. He thinks that he's going to be the best Nazi to ever live. So, in his own head, he's that fanatical Adolf Hitler is his best friend. Played by Taika Watiti. He then finds out that his family are housing a Jew, and his that mom. calls into question his entire mindset about the Nazi regime. Yeah, that's pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah. His mum played by Scarlett Johansson. Great year for Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, defo. And then you've got people like Sam Rockwell in there, Rebel Wilson, Alfie Allen... Actors yeah. from, you know, lots of... Stephen Merchant. Yeah. So, yeah, good cast. Very good cast. What do you think of the film? I thought it was great. Played around the subject matter very well. It didn't make light of the situation. The only thing it did make light of... as If you know anything about the film going in, you know it's somewhat of a comedy. And obviously comedies and the Holocaust and Nazis and stuff like that, you don't really want to tread on. It's a, del- a delicate turf to sort of go towards. But they deal with it very well. The only jokes are really pointed at the stupidity of Nazism and Nazi propaganda and poking fun at how people can't seem to see how wrong that is. Yeah, it's more like it's funny about how ignorant the characters exactly. are rather than it's funny because it's offensive kind of thing. It's Yeah, it's very much towards the ignorance. Even, yeah, even some of the characters who are Nazis, like, 
you definitely see them starting to realize that they are on the wrong side of history and they're like they even call into question how idiotic the nazi regime are yeah it's funny you have like, i think that's where the humor comes from yeah and i think when you have shots of where jojo is like drawing photos of uh, drawing pictures of what he thinks jews should look like yeah uh, in his in his vision um it's quite funny that you know he draws these really childish cartoony photos of like something being shot out of a cannon and it's got horns and tail you know yeah. what i mean it's just so out there yeah and i think that's part of what lets the humor kind of sit where it does i think it was a really kind of it's a risky film yeah definitely a risky film with how on the nose some of the the tropes are and some of the um the things that they say about um, mm-hmm. you know in the nazis view of jewish people yeah but it's done very tastefully i, I th- wouldn't say it's done over the top no i think that's what they managed to nail right was the balance of, like they established like you're following this protagonist let's call him and he is one mindset and he is like jews are bad jews are bad and you're following him like typically you're meant to align yourself with the protagonist but you are binary opposite to everything that he's saying out loud yeah. it's sort of waiting for the protagonist to come in line with your point of view almost and i think what helps that is that it's a kid yeah so you know it's this, this kid who's just completely disillusioned by uh everything that's going on in in the reich um you know, he's going on this really cool summer camp thing at the yeah. beginning, isn't it? And it's like he's going to have a great time. And and Adolf is saying to him, his imaginary friend is like, go have a great time. Yeah. And then the, the the Heil Hitler and each other in the room <laughs> at the beginning. He's like, no, you're not doing it right. Just yeah. like, just throw it away. Just like, just like it's nothing. Yeah. Just like, hey, man, what up? And I think because it's like a little kid and stuff that you're watching, I, I think it's it's it helps it. Not yeah, it land. definitely disarms it. Yeah, it definitely, yeah, disarms it is a perfect yeah. way, of, way of saying it. Speaking of that, Roman Griffin Davis is the kid who plays the main role. He was fantastic in it. He carried the whole film on his shoulders. Like, everybody else was great in this film, but he was in, I think, 99% of the scenes. And yeah. he worked. You almost lost him in the role, and for a child to be able to do that was incredible. I think as well, because he's not a known face, he's not a known child actor, because this is his first role, you were able to just sort of lose him in the role almost. Yeah, he was absolutely amazing. He got nominated for a Golden Globe, sadly did not win. So, you know, he he started auditioning at the age of nine, and then Jojo Rabbit is his first professional acting role, thanks to IMDb. Yeah. So this is the first thing he's done professionally, and he really knocks it out. And he got nominated for a Golden Globe. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Really, really good. I, I think his character was just really nice, really, you know, just... I don't know it was kind of one of those like a lot of the times where he is going he, he's unleashing his inner nazi and he's it's questionable yeah. it's kind of funny because of how young and harmless yeah. he seems well i think that's what the joke is the fact that he has been brainwashed so badly like it the la- the joke was what nazis were stupid enough to try and make children believe yeah that Jews had horns and they could read people's minds and stuff like that. And then you have parts of the film where he's just a kid. Yeah. Yeah, we can't tie his own shoelaces, can he? And it's like, it, it, it's cute. You know, yeah. it's, at times it's really cute. It, that's just like something to remind you, like, this is a child at the end of the day. Yeah. He's playing a 10-year-old, is he, in the film? 
Yeah, well, yeah. But uh, yeah. I believe he was 10 years old. Like, you almost forgot that he was a child at some points because they were dealing with such adult subject matter and stuff like that. But then, like you said, he can't tie his own shoelaces. Yeah. And that really built the relationship between him and his mother as well. Yeah, and there was a lot of feel-good parts where he was just, like, obviously... The whole bit where he... The bit at the beginning, before the first twist that we get. Okay. The slow-mo bit yeah, yeah. in the forest. Um, that's such a feel-good moment because it was, like, a bit uplifting. You know, it's a moment yeah. where he's like, yeah, I'm going to go do it. And then you've got his imaginary friend. Yeah, it was, it was just so strange having Adolf Hitler play by Taika Waititi. yeah. Like giving this motivational speech that you actually sort of rallied behind. You're yeah. like, yeah, go ahead, Jojo. You can do whatever you want. And then you're like, oh, wait, no, that's Hitler saying it. And it's cool because <laughs> parts of it feel quite modern. Like, with like, he's doing like this weird pointy kind of, yeah, you're doing it kind of thing <laughs> in slow mo behind him. And yeah, there's parts that feel really good. There's parts where, you know, it's, there's parts where you feel a little bit heartbroken throughout the story. It's just, I think yeah. those heartbreaking moments land so well because the uplifting bits land well. And it's just a bit of everything throughout yeah. the whole film. And I think that's what makes this really good. Speaking about the young actors as well, Archie Yates, who plays Yorick. Yeah, Yorkie, sorry. Oh, his, the, his best mate. Yeah. I think yeah. he was so good in it and he did not get enough screen time. Every time he was on screen, he was the cutest kid. I've seen him in interviews today like IMDb and Entertainment Weekly and stuff like that. He was adorable. And again, Jojo Rabbit is his first thing as well. Yeah. Um, he is also going to be in the Untitled Home Alone reboot. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, touching on Taika Waititi as Adolf, it's parts are really weird in this film. Yeah. Where it's like, it's totally Taika Waititi. And there's parts where it's like... He, you know, he's joking and he's obviously this playful character and that shows in the trailers. And there's parts where he's, he's fu- he goes full Hitler and it's really, really weird. Yeah, they put sort of like that music that you would associate with like Nazi propaganda type thing, like, and they, they swell that up behind him while he's giving this like, like a really, and he's got the hand movements and everything. Like you could tell like, like, they were the only moments, like, I think there was two moments like that where, like, he felt like Hitler. The rest of the time, he was just a caricature, wasn't he? Yeah. And I yeah. think that, like... He was, ima- also- he was an imaginary friend half yeah. the time. And then there was times where where he'd be talking to Jojo, and it would be like he's playing Hitler yeah. and not playing an imaginary friend. Yeah, he wasn't playing a caricature, he was trying to play Hitler. Yeah, and, and weird, this is such a weird thing to say, but he does it really well yeah like i'm well into like well i used to be well into world war ii um and just just really like looked, looked like, yeah. researched into it a lot i mean it, it's it's still modern history yeah and like yeah. it's something that we grew up being taught and, in school and, and stuff. there's parts where it's like you've you've plucked him straight out of a black and white film from yeah. the speech yeah but you know you'll know these bits when you watch it and i think he wasn't overdone mm. like the bits with hitler being imaginary wasn't overdone like there's large stretches of the film where he's not in it yeah and i think that doesn't kill the joke then mm. like it really sells it like we left and i i was like i never want to say this again this on the podcast is the last time i ever saying just the right amount of hitler just the, <laughs> just the right amount. just the right amount uh, of Hitler. i just want to no, any amount is a bad amount yeah but, <laughs> but if you're gonna have hitler 
This was just the right amount of filler. This is the podcast that pulls us under, Chris. Yep. This and is, this and is that is, is never being said again. Taken in context, it's fine to say. Taken out of context, Terrible. we're screwed. <laughs> we're, we're screwed. This is it. So uh, something that really surprised me about this film is a lot of the um, cinematography parts. So when we're talking in, say, the final act of the film, there's a lot of slow-mo parts. Um, yeah, there's. it's really, really like shot really well as well for what yeah. a comedy is. You know, there's, there's, there's I, I can't talk into it until we get into like spoilers, really. But there's a bit towards the end where things, are, the, the music just lands really well. The scenery, um, you know, like even like soldiers and stuff that we see, and yeah. you know, like semi-action sequences mm-hmm. are all really tasteful. Yeah. Nothing is over the top. The so Taika has gave credit, like in interviews, to his cinematographer, which I'm going to butcher a name now is. Mahai Malamar Jr., um, who did the cinematography for it, and Taika Watiki and Stephen Merchant were on the Vanity Fair or Variety doing, you know, when the director breaks down the scene and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So um, he did that, and he was saying, like, this: the scenes wouldn't look the way they were without the cinematographer. I thought it looked quite Wes Anderson-like. Especially yeah, like the framing of characters. Yeah, there was parts where you'd have like Jojo in the middle of the screen and then you'd have people running behind him. Yeah. And it was like almost like he was quite central. Yeah. Yeah. And like there's lots of mirroring. It's sort of like the visual language that you've learned from watching Wes Anderson, which isn't typically how Taika Watiki Taika Watiki's stuff looks. Like uh, Home for the World of People and uh, What We Do in the Shadows don't look like that visually. So you could tell that was like the stamp of the cinematographer, but it worked in this setting. It mm. helped sell like the absurdist nature, the satire of it almost. Yeah. And then just before we get into spoilers as well, to talk about some of the other characters, you had the Sam Rockwell character um, alongside Rebel Wilson, and then you had the Alfie Allen, um, and you'll know Alfie Allen as uh, the young Theon Greyjoy. Greyjoy from Game of Thrones. Or Lily Allen's younger brother. Yes. Who was a puppet in the music video that she made about him. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Those three I really enjoyed. They played like senior Nazi characters. Yeah. You know, they, um, but they really, were really very much caricatures as well. Yeah. And they weren't overdone either. Yeah. Like, I felt like Alfie Allen and Rebel Wilson could have been really overdone. I wanted a little bit more of Sam Rockwell in it, but that's just because I'm a big fan of his. Like, he, he does great work. But yeah. then, like, when Alfie Allen and Rebel Wilson were in it, they were in it just enough, and they mm. were f- funny when they were on screen. They were used well. Yeah. So I think the first few minutes of this film, the first couple of scenes really set it up for what you're going to experience. There's going to be a couple of twists and turns along the way, mm-hmm. um, but I think you get a really good sense of the comedy and the heartedness of the film. Um, overall, really liked it. Yep. I don't really see why it's getting the flack that it is. Is it getting I, flack? It's getting a little bit of flack, yeah. I feel like... A lot of films nowadays get flack, but people judge it without going to see it. Yeah. I don't think enough people have seen this film yet to give it flack. They just see like a World War Two film. You can't satirise the Holocaust type thing. Yeah, of course. And some people are going to feel uncomfortable about parts of this film because of what it covers and yeah. some of the um, slurs it makes. But it's all done in good heart. Um, it's all done to... Educate. And, and, um... That's what I would say. And comedize, uh, comedize, satire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's to satirize the, you know, the the views of Nazis, really, isn't it? Well, that's the thing. Like like we said earlier, it disarms it. Like 
Yeah. Uh, not to like spoil the film too much, but the lead character learns like everybody else in the world's point of view almost towards the end. That's where the film takes him is to sort of understand that he has been almost brainwashed sort of and learns that Jews are humans too. That's what the whole film was about is like, is, is anti-hate. Like it says on the post is an anti-hate satire. Like you have to deconstruct something before you can understand stuff fully. Yeah. I think that's pretty much what we can talk about spoiler free. Yeah. Um, so the spoilers section for this is going to be pretty short because obviously we want to talk about a little bit about the Golden Globes. Um, this is your time now to switch off or skip ahead um, head to the description. Um, gives you a little bit of time now to just head away before we start talking about spoilers. Yep. So now, three, two, one. That, yeah, three, two, one. Spoilers. There, there's your countdown. Um, not really any massive spoilers to jump at. So now we can talk about the film a bit yeah. more freely. There's only one that I think is a big spoiler. Where his mum dies. Yeah. yeah. Gets killed by the um, the Gestapo. Yeah. Uh, where Stephen Merchant's playing, I really, I really liked how they depicted the Gestapo, Gestapo in this film. Um, that really like slender kind of slender manny, creepy. Yeah, like, it was creepy. I'm not, not going to say Stephen Merchant's a creepy looking guy, but no, but like they they had him stand on a box and everything. They made him be taller and more slender. Like yeah, like, yeah. It, it was just show this weird sort of like any other position he would be sort of like a feeble almost character yeah but because he's got like this tiny little badge that gave him this position of power yeah it was almost like a very like kind of wolfenstein villain yeah kind of thing wasn't it like yeah. a like an evil scientist kind of persona yeah. that he had but he plays a really good character for the, for the short amount of time he's in it yeah it's really good the yeah. visual language of the reveal of scarlett johansson playing his mother dying yeah, was incredible. Like wow. throughout the film, like there's always been a focus on shoes. Yeah, which, I noticed that. which there was is two a, shots leading up to that. Yeah. Where it was similar. so in yeah. the bathhouse, uh, in the swimming bath. Sorry, like she's dancing alongside like JoJo, and like that's all you see of her is these beautiful white and red shoes dancing along. She's always got a spring in her step. She's always dancing. Yeah, and then, and the then later bit, on when the they're river. discussing, yeah, near the river, and you see the shoes alongside his head again as she's dancing, talking about like. Once the war's over, like yeah. we just need to dance. Like dance is a, an expression of joy and, and that like, love reveal, and everything. Feel that reveal. Yeah. So he's it's... following a butterfly, isn't he? Like he's been out collecting food and stuff like that. He's following a butterfly, sort of willy nilly. And we're set up earlier in the film that they've got these open gallows in the middle of town for people who have helped Jews. And then the reveal of he bumps into these feet, and it's his mother's shoes. It's so sad. That was heartbreaking. Yeah, definitely like... So well done, though. Yeah, it was definitely like a lump in your throat moment when he revealed that. It's not gratuitous either. Like, you don't get a shot of the face or anything like that. You get a wide shot of him hugging her, and then the rest of it's just a close-up of... like We can't express this enough, this unknown child actor absolutely selling the hell out of that scene. Like, it doesn't really cut. And you see the realization, you mm. see the uh, heartbreak, and then just full tears. Like, and he he tries to tie his mum's shoes because she's been teaching him all film how to tie mm. his shoes and stuff. Like, this is how you've got to be presented. Like, my granddad always said to me, like, you can tell a man by his shoes. Mm. Like, so, oh. 
Yeah, and I like I really liked how when they led up to it, I think what made this hit a lot more is that you didn't have that explanation before it saying this is what his mum's actually doing. Mm. She's not going and um you know, it does it obviously you know something's going on. You see her burning little slips of paper, you see her placing them, but at no point does she tell Jojo. She's she's like taking them off doors and putting them other places and stuff because they're the tags that the Gestapo used to, like, these are people that need to be investigated. Yeah, and at no point is it, like, fully explained that this is what she's doing. And it's like you only really find out that that's what she's actually been doing when the Gestapo have, have killed her. Yeah. You know, it's so it's so hard, and I think Scarlett Johansson plays a really ace role. She's she's been killing it. She was really you've you've just seen Marriage Story, haven't yeah. you? She kills it in Marriage Story. Fantastic. And then the whole you know the, the one bit that really like hit me with her as an actor in this film was the bit where she imitates his dad. I was literally just about to say it, it was so so good. good, wasn't it? So like, good. It's so sincere. Like she is now like. She's probably realised that her husband's dead, probably yeah. in the war. Um, she is now a single parent, trying to help anybody she can. She sees the wrong in the Nazi party, uh, but she's still doing whatever she can at the risk of her own life. Mm. And the fact that her son is now a fanatic Hitler Youth member, she tries to make him understand, but he's so blinded by the propaganda. Like they have a really like adult conversation across dinner like talking about politics mm. which like so relevant for the time like we're living in as well like we still talk we're like getting to the stage now where we talk to our parents about politics and stuff like that yeah no matter how frustrating it can be sometimes yeah <laughs> like and it, this 10 year old child is doing it across the dinner table and he's able to hold his own in an argument mm. like, obviously we all understand he's in the wrong but mm. this is the way that he's been programmed to think and then like she's just trying to do her best to save him, to save her, yeah. to save Elsa. We yeah. haven't spoke about Elsa enough either. No, and I think well, but just before we get on to to that, which is probably the last thing we can talk about with the film, is like some of the comedy hits and stuff are really good in this. So some of the bits that stood out, um, obviously where he grabs that grenade after saying "Be the rabbit," yeah. which is that really like on the nose review re, title re, reveal of the title yeah. of the film um and he grabs that grenade and he just goes and then he ends up blowing his blowing his face to pieces <laughs> yeah so you get the slow-mo get the slow-mo run through the forest hitler dance yeah and sam rockwell's teaching these kids how to like properly throw a grenade yeah. stuff like that and jojo just steals the grenade lobs it hits a tree bounces back and blows the hell out of him yeah yeah and then you've got the throwaway line of walking the clones yeah. <laughs> and then it, rebel wilson again with a great line like she's just there like oh we need somebody to walk the clones like yeah. cuts to like a load of like like they look Aryan like Aryan kids. Yeah, yeah. but they, they I'm they sure all they're all played same. by the same actor. Oh, oh, really interesting point. There's two actors in there and both of them are the Jojo actor's brother. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I'm assuming they're the brothers because in the credits they were clone one and clone clone kid yeah. one, clone kid two, and they had the same um surnames. Okay. Same names, yeah. So That's interesting. That's an yeah. interesting little Rebel fact. Wilson had some really funny lines like when she's talking, she's just there, like, they're saying, oh, we're going to teach the boys how to use a knife, how to shoot a gun, how to throw grenades, survival tips, and the women, we're going to teach you how to be a mother and teach you how to clean and stuff oh like God. that. And, like, 
Like, obviously, that's something you're laughing at because it's satirizing it. It's not something that people believe in anymore. Yeah. And then she's just there like, oh, I've spat out 18 children in the last couple of years <laughs> yeah. for the Aryan race. Yeah, go yeah, me. Yeah, for, for Mother Germany <laughs> yeah. and all this. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so it's so funny. And then you've got, like, the little... The like... bit where she scoots over in the bathhouse and it's just... <laughs> there's lots of really taika hits of humor yeah. in this where if you've seen like what we do in the shadows and stuff like that it really really hammers it doesn't it the subtle gay relationship between alfie allen and sam rockwell's yeah and how well. seriously Just subtle. At every yeah. now and again that little moment where they like stare at each other for that little bit too yeah. long after he faces a little bit too close and then like and then like oh shit we're in public yeah we'll get yeah. killed if people figure this out type yeah. thing yeah 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 um, so yeah, just before we move on to Golden Globe stuff, yes. um, Elsa and Jojo in the film, their relationship built really nice. Mm. Um, and I liked at the end how it wasn't a love relationship, it was like a, like a brother and sister yeah. relationship, that was really nice. What did you think of Elsa? I thought she was great. She is a European actress, or get a name. Thomasin McKenzie. Yeah, I didn't want to butcher her first name. Yeah, Thomasin McKenzie. She does great in it. The accent sounds fine to me so she's from new zealand sorry she's not european but her accent sounds just enough european that with the small bit of dialect coaching that she could get because she's been speaking american in all the previous roles she said that she had to train super quick how to do like a a german austrian accent so it's just subtle enough like i I feel like everybody's accent work was very subtle Mm. but it was it was good enough interestingly enough she was one of the the younger actors who had had quite a bit of experience i mean she's she was in the hobbit yeah uh, and she was also in netflix is the king as well i heard somebody else reference something else that she was in that i've seen but yeah i really liked it i liked how it was that i think at the beginning when she you know jojo finds her hiding in the wall and she's like just totally overpowers him and then as the film progresses on, you start to find out that she's more vulnerable and not as... But obviously that's Jojo, kind of that's probably Jojo's perception yeah. of how well, she is. The way she's introduced, like, it uses the audience cinematic language of horror films, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, the way, like, it's just like the hand creeping around the door. Yeah, very almost. grudge. Jump yeah, scare. Yeah. yeah. Where, where she's, like, revealed and she's kind of got the hair. Yeah. Hang- it's very so much you, like the grudge. you see yeah. more of her openness and stuff as he does yeah i like that like the fingers like how she's like walks with a hand down the down the banister yeah. before she appears and stuff yeah and also she's really really good in that bit where um Stephen merchant and the gestapo are yeah find her and so she pretends she, to be his dead sister yeah she pretends to be inga the dead sister and that whole bit was so tense. You can really feel. Tense. You can, this is what I mean. This film's got so many different bits. It's got like feel good moments. It's got funny moments. It's got heartbreaking moments in it. And then you've got those tense moments where she's like trying to get her date of birth right and how old she is in the picture yeah. and stuff. Like, you can see the pain in her when she's having to Heil Hitler or the Gestapo as well. That's a running joke in that scene. Like how stupid it is that they all need to Heil Hitler each other. They, they, yeah. I think they break the record. For like. 40-odd times saying Heil Hitler in one scene. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, so many times because every, every member of the Gestapo The Stephen Merchant bit was just like, oh, we're just Heil Hitler and the boys and we're Heil Hitler and you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So funny. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really like this film. I really... It was a lot more than what I thought it was going to yeah. be. I th- I was expecting it to just be very much like a 
like a what we like a Taika Waititi yeah. film, or what we do in the yeah. shadows. I was but expecting the... it to be a lot more comedy. Yeah, but I think it's it's such a charming film, yeah. isn't it? And just to some, and then just the final final bit that we've probably got time to talk about with this for this episode is um the whole action scenes at the end where the allies invade the town. Yeah. Um. And like so good. This is what I meant before, where the cinematography and stuff is also taste tasteful. That you don't see anyone like you don't no see gratuitous any, violence. Yeah, you don't see gore. any of like you see the kids being sent out, right? Which is like a whoa, what's going on? But you don't see them getting Rebel shot. Wilson straps a grenade to the back of a and, child and tells her to go, yeah, go, go, give that guy <laughs> yeah. a hug. <laughs> and um, yeah, you get the um, the the other kid with the glasses. Yeah. Um, Yorkie, 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 uh, and he he's successful after the um, Hitler Youth Camp, and he goes on to be a very very young soldier, which is very weird. Yeah, they give him a gun. Yeah, and then he drops that um, Panzer Shrek <laughs> rocket launcher, and it goes into the shop. And, yeah, um, yeah, and like that line near the end is like, "It's not a good time to be a Nazi." <laughs> no, that's it. And I love how quickly he's just like, "Oh, this is just really weird. I just don't know what to think." Because <laughs> he's like, the he's managed to survive that big attack." Yeah. Um, um, but that bit's really and I, good and then like again like so you've just seen him being sent out to war with a gun and then the next scene you see him he's just like yeah i'm gonna go home now and get a cuddle from my mom it's like this kid's like nine years old ten yeah, years old kids it's like like yeah. he's a kid and he just got sent out to war and then he's it's like i just want to hug man yeah yeah the whole slow-mo bit where he walks out and everyone you know they're, they're attacking yeah. and you like you can just see like the horror in it. Well, that leads to the bit with Sam Rockwell as well. Like this he, character yeah. that you've seen is sort of like he's just doing anything he can to sort of get by. Like he, he he's a Nazi, but he's just like just looking for a fun, easy time type thing. Yeah, and you find out that he helped Elsa lie about a date of birth. She said the first instead of the seventh. Yeah, yeah, um, and then like he strips the jacket off Jojo because. They put like a, a Nazi uniform jacket on him, so yeah. he gets captured by the US, and then he strips the jacket off him and like pretends to beat him, so that yeah. like um, pretends he's a Jew to save his life, essentially. Yeah, really like nice and sincere moment. Yeah, this film definitely, definitely worth a watch. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Out of five. Out of five. Well, we normally do it out of ten. Do we? Yeah. Oh, out no. of ten then. Uh, oh, you know what? Out of ten, you know what? It's a it's a it's a nine out of ten again. Yeah. I, I'd say just go watch it. Yeah. I think for me, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think I'm just gonna ever give anything a eight or a nine out of ten because hopefully I don't go watch a film that I don't like. Yeah. But um, yeah, definitely worth a watch. I'd say. Yeah. Okay. Next subject: Golden Globes. Yeah. So now you're free of uh, Jojo Rabbit spoilers. Yes. So we're gonna go. Welcome through... back to the podcast. Welcome <laughs> back if you've uh, skipped over. So we're gonna talk a little bit about all the Golden Globes um, nominees and winners, and um, we're gonna basically just go through each of the categories, what we thought, whether we agree, I suppose, and yeah, just kind of fire through them yep. before the end of the episode. So let's talk about first one I've got on the list is Best Motion Picture in Drama. Nominees was Joker, Marriage Story, The Two Popes, The Irishman, uh, and 1917. And the winner was 1917. Yeah. It's a bit tough, this, because we've not seen it yet. Not yet. Um, it's only really just come out a week before you've listened to this. Yeah. So, like, as we're recording this. Yeah. Just come out. I've not seen The Two Popes. There's a lot. That's but- the only one 
other than 1917 I haven't seen. Yeah, I mean, just before we start talking more and more uh, into this, there's a lot of Netflix stuff nominated on here. Yeah. Um, not a lot of it won, which, to be fair, I can see why with awards. I think it's still a little bit yeah. um, tough, I think. It's a bit like how Star Wars doesn't win tons of Academy Awards, right? Yeah. And stuff like Marvel films There is don't. still a level of almost snobbery, like, they feel like, oh, it must be like art. But yeah. a lot of this Netflix stuff is what I would consider art and good filmmaking. Yeah, for sure. So, like, in terms of best motion picture, for drama, Marriage Story is is an amazing Fantastic. film. It's a really good film. Joker was a really good film. Yeah. The Irishman, I, I didn't finish. It was I just saw way all too of, long. I, I thought it was great. It was too long. Yeah, it was um, far too long, the film. I was... We'll get onto it when it comes to um, a different thing, but... I've got some opinions on best supporting actor when yeah. it comes to the Irishman, and we can't really talk about 1917 because we've not seen it. No. So we're excited to see that. Yeah, um, but it, I, it did surprise me that it actually won this one. Yeah. I was ex- I was expecting Joker or Irishman. Yeah, I, I, as much as I would like to have seen Marriage Story win this, yeah, um, I I would have said the Irishman or Joker. But yeah, nineteen seventeen is probably well well worth yeah. a win. So best motion picture in the musical or comedy. So the nominations were oh my thing scrolled down, bear with me. Uh Dolomite is my name, Jojo Rabbit, Knives Out, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Rocket Man. The winner was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Have you seen this film? I've not seen it yet. I I'm struggling to figure how how it's a comedy or a musical. Yeah, I don't think it's either. It's a Tarantino film, so you've got oh, if you you know if you've seen something like Django Unchained, there's obviously bits of comedy in there, but this film's not packed with it, no, and it's also it's more not, of a drama. Yeah, and it's not packed with musical bits. It's packed with well, music. A, a musical like implies that people singing and dancing in the streets almost like. Yeah, but there wasn't a lot of that in Knives Out either. It was more for a comedy. Well, that but that was a comedy that had a lot more comedic elements. I would say. Yeah, I mean, from, from trying to recollect from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I don't think it should have won this. No, and it's I think from it what I've seen, it's not even Tarantino's best film. No. I feel like it won this category because it is a Tarantino film. Yeah. I think maybe I would have seen Rocket Man maybe because of Taron Egerton's portrayal of Elton John. Yeah. Well, from what I've seen is really The only good. one that I've not seen all of. I've not seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I've not seen all of Dolomite is my name. I've seen a bit of it. I've seen half of it, and that's very good. Yeah. That's very good. I think that's but, a return to form for Eddie Murphy. But maybe not award winning. No. So I would have said out of all these, I would have personally gave it to Jojo Rabbit. I would have gave it to Jojo Rabbit, and that's not being biased that we've just, we've only just yeah. seen it, but it's got a bit of everything, and I think the comedy's really, really good in yeah. this. So. And I feel like from what I know, like once Upon a Time in Hollywood's been spoiled for me. Like, I know what happens in it and stuff like that. I don't think it's in the right category. I think it's been shoved in this category for an easy win almost. Mm. So they could give it to 1917 and a Tarantino film. Yeah. I also think it's gratuitous in its use of the Man- uh, Manson family. It feels like it, from what I've heard, it doesn't seem to serve the story until right at the end almost. No. You and could we, say and more about that. Yeah, and we won't, we won't spoil the film because that's a big spoiler of part of the film. But it's not... It's, not, it's a... Yeah, it's not what you expect, yeah. let's put it that way. Um, the next one is Best Performance by an Actress in a Motion Picture. Um, this is Cynthia Erivo in Harriet, um, Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story, uh, Sasha Ronan. Sasha Ronan in Little Women, Charlie Theron in Bombshell, and Renee Zellweger in Judy. 
Judy won this. Nate Zellweger. She won that. I've not seen this film. I've seen the clip that was on the Graham Norton show. Yeah. Because I don't think this got a wide cinema release in the UK. No, I've also I don't not... think it's not even be out yet in the UK. No, and I've also not seen Harriet. No. Um, neither that as Bombshell hasn't come out no. here um, yet, has it? L- Little Women released over the Christmas break for us as well. Yeah. So... Sasha Ronan, I, she is a great actress, and she looks like she's carrying that film from the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story I thought was phenomenal. Yeah. That long take of her in the lawyer's thing as she's telling the story of yeah. her marriage was you forget incredible. She, you totally forget she's an actor in that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you lose her and Adam Driver into that film. Yeah, definitely. I wish, yeah, it would have been nice to see Johansson win yeah, that. I can't really speak on that too much. No. Renee Zill, well, we get, like, it. She did seem good as the part of Judy Garland in that film. Yeah. Best performance by an actor in a motion picture drama. So we had Christian Bale in Ford versus Ferrari or Le Mans 66, as it was called in the UK. You've got Antonio Banderas in Pain and Glory, Adam Driver in Marriage Story, Walking Phoenix as Joker, and uh, Jonathan Pryor as the two popes, or yep. in the two popes. Um, I'm happy with this. I yep. think Joaquin Walking Phoenix, Phoenix won. Yeah, I think he needed to. I was almost surprised by this because I felt like they might have tried to not give awards to this film. Maybe, yeah. I because get the connotations of the Joker, but I think because they changed the Joker mythos so much, they are more willing to give it awards. Yeah, and I think just the transformation he goes through in the, in the film yeah. for, the, for the role. His performance was... The only reason the film worked the way it did. Yeah, he was like, he was totally, totally the Joker in that film. Just the the whole, yeah, his whole persona, everything about him, it was just you wasn't watching I don't think there's a single scene without him in. So he literally carries every scene of the film. Yeah, so well deserved, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, next one is best performance by an actress in a motion picture, musical, or comedy. Uh, Emma Thompson, Late Night, Anna de Armas, Knives Out. I butcher these names. Can you help me with this one? Aquafina. Uh, the Farewell. I think it's a pseudonym. It's not a birth name, I don't think. Yep. Kate Blanchett, Where'd You Go, Bernadette, and Beanie Feldstein in Booksmart. I've not seen half of these films. No. Um, I've the only film I've seen in this list is Knives Out. Yeah, um, so I can't really comment these, on it. <laughs> so the Farewell and Where'd You Go, Bernadette, I don't think have got uh, releases in the UK yet, or if at all. Um, Booksmart has got really good reviews. I've been hearing stuff about it all year. There's nowhere to watch it yet in the UK. I think. I think it's coming to Amazon Prime soon, but you need to pay to view it. Anna de uh, Armes in Knives Out. I thought she was great in it. I'm a big fan of her work after uh, Blade Runner as well. Yeah. Uh, they can't really speak on this. But apparently The Farewell is very good as well. So, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. I love the way most of this stuff is. I was like, we haven't really seen it, but, yeah. you know. So, best performance by an actor in a motion picture, musical or comedy, Daniel Craig for Knives Out. Roman Griffin Davis for Jojo Rabbit. That's the young lad. Amazing yep. job to be nominated. Yeah, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Taron Egerton for Rocket Man, and Eddie Murphy for Dolomite Is My Name. So I don't think Eddie Murphy should have won this. Anyway, no. he didn't win it. Um, Taron Egerton won this award. Yeah. for his portrayal of Elton John. Um, I don't think Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is ace. Yeah, he's very much fully into the role. 
I think Roman Griffin Davis, um, Jojo and Jojo Rabbit, I think being nominated is an award yeah. enough for yeah. his first professional job. Yeah. Um, amazing. Big congratulations to him. Yeah, I think maybe for how much different this is for Daniel Craig in Knives Out, I think how much different his role is that he, he could have been up for this. I, I don't think it's award winning. No. Like, he is great in it, and it is such a break from character from what we normally see him as. Don't think it was worth the award. Like, from what I've seen of uh, Roman, Taron Egerton, and Eddie Murphy, I-, I would say Daniel Craig was better than Eddie Murphy, but Taron Egerton, for me, should have won this category. Yeah, fair enough. So, the next one is Best Performance by an Actress in a Supporting Role in Any Motion Picture. Say that when you're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Margot Robbie and Bombshell, Kathy Bates, Richard Jewell, Annette Benning, The Report, Laura Dern, Marriage Story, Jennifer Lopez, Hustlers, and the winner was Laura Dern in Marriage Story. Well deserved. I don't think there's anything yeah. more. We've not seen Bombshell yet because it's not out in the UK. My question yet. is Jennifer Lopez was being pitched as the lead role in Hustlers. How is she up for a supporting role? This isn't. I think oh, that's yeah, a, a supporting role in I think that's fudging, you know, similar to how. Uh, Christian Bale won Best Supporting Actor in The Fighter, yeah. even though he was the lead role. Well, because he wasn't the title role they put him forward for a supporting actor. Do you reckon it's to give it a nomination? I think it was to get her a nomination. Yeah. I think Laura Dern was ace in marriage. Yeah, she story. was fantastic. Yeah, and, and I'm glad to see it's won something as well. Margot Robbie looks like she's going to be re- really good in that film, but like we said, it's not out here in the UK yet, so yeah, I can't really speak on it. Okay, next one. Uh, best Performance for an Actor in a Supporting Role in Any Motion Picture is Tom Hanks in A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood, Anthony Hopkins in The Two Popes, Al Pacino in The Irishman, Joe Pesci in The Irishman, and Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And the winner was? The winner was Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So why is the two Irishman nominations in here? I think they were both great in it. Out of all of them, I would have gave it to Joe Pesci. Mm. I think that is one of Joe Pesci's best roles. It broke my heart seeing him at the end as an old man in prison. Like, he's got onset Parkinson's coming in and stuff like that. Like, throughout the film, he plays himself throughout multiple different age groups. Mm. And, like, he sells it all the time, like, whenever he's in it. And, like, his transformation throughout the different ages as well. Like, I would say he was uh, best. Like, Al Pacino was fantastic in that as well. But I don't feel like his role was as diverse as Joe Pesci. I yeah. would have gave it to Joe Pesci for that. Would you have, would you have gave it to... Yeah, you would have you would have said he would have won it. Yeah. Rather. I think once you watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you realise how good Brad Pitt is yeah. in that film and the how much he carries the film in as a supporting role, mm. especially to how DiCaprio was yeah. in that film. Um look, I just I just didn't love the Irishman. It for me, I just really struggled um through the film. So yeah. I got to a point where I was like, I don't know who these characters are now. Um I don't know what's going on in the story. I just had to switch it off. I've but, I've seen it twice now, so I feel like I do understand it a lot. You little have more. dedicated six hours to that film. My god man. Me. Um yeah, I I I personally uh, biased, but I think Brad Pitt, yeah, I think totally. Fair enough. Yeah. I think I think my point of view is The Irishman isn't the best film of all time, but I think the performances in it were, were great. Next one was Best Director for Motion Picture. 
Uh, Bong Joon-ho, Parasite, Sam Mendes, 1917, who won this category. Todd Phillips, The Joker, Martin Scorsese, The Irishman, Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Well-deserved, I think, Sam Mendes. um, The film is a one-shot film, much to the like of Birdman. I think Todd Phillips did a great job on The Joker, but I think obviously that was more led by Joaquin Phoenix. I think he carried that film, not the direction of it. I I feel like the two of them together was what got us that performance in that film. Yes. But yeah, Joaquin Phoenix deserves it more than yeah. Todd Phillips. Tarantino doesn't need another award uh, in general. It's Tarantino. Yeah, I've heard Parasite's really good. I, I would like to say Bong Joon-ho being nominated for Best Director with a non-English film is amazing. Yeah. Like, because you just don't see it very often. Yeah. Like, obviously, you saw it with Roma. Was it that last year? But, yeah. Yeah. And then Best Screenplay for a Motion Picture. Noah... Bombach, Bombach, uh, for Marriage Story, Bong Joon Ho and Han Jin Won for Parasite, Anthony McCartan for The Two Popes, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood who won, and Stephen Zalian for Z- The Irishman. Zillian, yeah, Zillian, Zalian, yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know what? I think Marriage Story should have got that. I think for the screenplay, yeah, yeah, for screenplay, the writing was have. phenomenal in it. Yeah, I get why Once Upon a Time in Hollywood won it. If you've seen the film, you can be like, nah, yeah, I, I get yeah. it. Um, it was a t- it, It's a tough contender for any film, but I think this should have been given to Marriage Story. Yeah. Next one was Best Motion Picture in Animation, Missing Link, which won, uh, Toy Story 4, Frozen 2, How to Train Your Dragon, Hidden World, and The Lion King. This surprised me because this film, I think, flopped. What do you think should have won? I've not seen How to Train Your Dragon. I haven't or seen Frozen any 2. of these. You've not seen Toy Story 4? I didn't get to see Toy Story 4. You've not seen The Lion King? No, because I'll tell you I what, love the first, original of The Lion King too much, so I just... Forget that the animals don't smile and look like they have no emotion. Just for how it looks, The Lion King probably would that should have got it. But, would you not just hold off for the Oscar for Best Visual Effects? Yeah, okay, yeah. If this was a Golden Globe for Best Visual Effects, yeah, yeah it would have got it. I think Toy Story... Toy Story films are always amazing, so I understand the level of quality behind that. How to Train Your Dragon is a personal favourite for me, the franchise. I I did hear good things about Missing Link, I just didn't feel like the film performed very well, so I was surprised. Best Motion Picture in a Foreign Language, The Farewell. Lame is Rob, I think you pronounce it. I I did theatre, everybody said it different ways, Lame is. Pain and Glory, Parasite, and Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I've not seen any of these because they're a film nope. in a foreign language. Yep. So, yeah, um, we could probably I do just like foreign language this. films, but they don't get to us until much later, and you do need to dedicate a whole day to it. And so. subtitles. Yes. Parasite um, won it. Parasite won. Apparently, everybody's saying that's the best decision. Fair play. I've heard very good things about Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and Les Mis looked interesting. I don't think it had anything really to do with Les Mis as we know it. There's a lot of categories for these Golden Globes, so we're going to yes. try and smash through the rest of them. Because we haven't seen most of the stuff coming up. Yeah. Because it's all TV stuff that only got played in America. So let's go. So best television series for drama. Killing Eve, The Morning Show, Succession, Big Little Lies, The Crown. Succession took this. The Morning Show got nominated for quite a lot, really. And Which that's the it's Apple a, it's TV. A, yeah, and it's a very new show. That's the one with Reese Witherspoon and... Steve Carell. Uh, Steve Carell and... Oh, Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston. Aniston. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've not seen it. I've got an Apple TV subscription. Yeah. Because I've got an iPhone. Um, but 
yeah, I've not had a chance to see this. Um, the Crown, the parts of The Crown are really good, but I think... It, I haven't seen the new cast, so I haven't seen season three of The Crown yet, so I can't say. Yeah, there's parts, there's it visual is parts, so. and yeah, it looks really good. Killing Eve is amazing. Yeah, but Succession I've not seen, No, and Big Little Lies I've not seen. So I've seen the first episode of Big Little Lies, pretty damn good. Yeah. Uh, best television series for a comedy or musical, Barry, Fleabag, The Kaminsky Method, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and The Politician, Fleabag won. I think that's well-deserved. I've only seen season one, but it's very funny, very good. The Kaminsky Method I saw on Netflix, that was pretty damn good. Don't think it was award-winning. I haven't seen the others. No comment. I've seen nothing in this category. <laughs> okay, best television limited series or motion picture made for television. Catch-22, Chernobyl that won it. Fosse Verdon? Yep, Fosse sounds Verdun. about right. <laughs> uh, the Loudest Voice, unbelievable. Chernobyl, yeah, totally should have won yeah. this. Um, it was no complaints. Ace. Yeah, every episode, really good. Amazing retelling of the story. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. Best performance by an actress in a limited series or motion picture made for television. Try saying that one while you're I'm going to struggle with the names enough. Caitlin Denver for Unbelievable. Joey King for The Act. Helen Mirren for Catherine the Great. Merritt Weaver for Unbelievable. And Michelle Williams for Foss Verdon. That won it. Yes, but Michelle Williams won. <laughs> Michelle Williams is a fantastic actress. Helen Mirren's great, but I haven't seen Catherine the Great yet. Uh, Joey King, I'm glad to see nominated because she's a great upcoming actress. So, yeah. Yeah. No uh... comment. Best performance by an actor in a limited series or motion picture made for television. Sasha Baron Cohen in The Spy, Russell Crowe in The Loudest Voice, Jared Harris in Chernobyl, Sam Rockwell, uh, Fosse Verdon, and Christopher Abbott, Catch-22. I mean, they are all big names. They are all great actors. Sasha Baron Cohen in this film was a really... TV show. Oh, sorry, yeah, TV show was really different for him, though. I've not seen it, but, you know, it was very different versus, like... It wasn't a bold comedy. Ali G and yeah. The Dictator and whatever. Um, but Jared Harris in Chernobyl was also really good. Unfortunately, yeah. not seen any of the others, so... Best performance by an actress in a television series for drama. Olivia Colman, The Crown, Jodie Comer... Killing Eve, Nicole Kidman in Big Little Lies, Reese Witherspoon in The Morning Show, and also Jennifer Aniston in The Morning Show. The Crown took this one. Don't see any problem with that. Jodie Comer, I would have liked to see her win it, but I believe she won it last year, didn't she? Yeah. Uh, for season one, so maybe they didn't want to give it to her again. Olivia Coleman, fantastic. Best performance by an actor in a television series drama. Kit Harrison for Game of Thrones. Oh, they got something after season Yeah, eight. they only got one <laughs> nomination. Wait for the Emmys, that's when you find out about the TV shows. Okay, so Kit Harrington for Game of Thrones, Rami Malek for Mr. Robot, Tobias Menzies for The Crown, Billy Porter for Pose, and Brian Cox for Succession. Brian Cox won. Yeah, I think this was really well. I've heard really well good well things deserved. about Pose. I've seen the first episode. I thought it was great. I'm not sure who Billy Porter played in it. Yeah. Kit um, Harrington, surprised you even time. got anything. <laughs> <laughs> better look in the Eternals kit. <laughs> yep, yep, Black Knight and the Eternals, possibly. Best performance by an actress in a television series, comedy or musical, Christina Applegate, Dead to Me. I thought she was pretty good on that. Rachel Brosenham for Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. That's a tongue twister as well. Kristen Dunst for On Becoming a God in Central Florida. Never heard of that. Natasha Loyan. Um, for Russian Doll and Phoebe Waller-Bridge for Fleabag. Phoebe won. Yeah, Russian Doll was this whole kind of... That's the Netflix Groundhog Day. That's the Groundhog Day thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge won for Fleabag. 
yeah, I'm perfectly happy with that. I think she was great. Her award speech was very funny as well. Yeah. Do you want to take the next one? Uh, yeah, best performance by an actor in a television series, musical, or comedy. Um, to be honest with you, a lot of these now, um, we've covered off what we thought about a lot of the nominees. Um, so I, best, I guess we just blitz through them. Yeah. So, um, that was... Okay, yeah, Bill Hader, Barry, Ben Platt, the politician, Paul Rudd, living with yourself, Rami Youssef, Youssef from Rami, uh, Michael Douglas in the Kaminsky Method, Paul Rudd, living with yourself. That was really good. I haven't seen all of it yet. Have you not? You should definitely watch the rest of it. Bill Hader and Barry is really good as well. Yeah, but Rami Youssef took it away with Rami. Uh, best performance by an actress in a supporting role in a series, limited series, or motion picture. Say that one when you're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tony Collette for Unbelievable, Meryl Streep for Big Little Lies, Emily Watson for Chernobyl, Patricia Arquette for The Act, or Helena Bonacarta for The Crown. Let and me just Patricia take a, Arquette won for The Act. Let me just take a shot of vodka for this next one. Best performance by an actor in a supporting role in a series, limited series, motion picture made for television. <laughs> Alan Arkin, The Kaminsky Method, Kieran Culkin, Succession, Andrew Scott for Leadbag, Stellan Skarsgård in Chernobyl, and Harry Winkler, Barry Chernobyl took it away. Yep. Stolen Stars Guard, fantastic. Right, last okay. two. Best original score, this is something we can talk about a bit more, for a motion picture, was Hilda Gunnado. You said this earlier. Hilda Gunnadote. Yep, we'll go with that for the Joker. She won it, very good. Uh, that score was fantastic, helped carry the film throughout. Uh, also nominated was Randy Newman for Marriage Story. I thought that was great as well. I was yeah. really surprised when I saw the credits at the end, it was Randy Newman. Yeah. Uh, Toy Story fame. Thomas Newman for 1917. Daniel Pemberton for Motherless Brooklyn, which I'm excited to watch when that gets a UK release, I believe. Uh, and Alexandra Displatt for Little Women. Can you hum any of the scores of these films? No. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I just remember the Joker was really good. Can't hum Yeah, it. it was really good. It yes. reinforced the film. And our very last one, um, Say with, this category drunk. <laughs> well, the there's a lot of words coming up. Best original song, motion picture. Now name but, all the songs. Well, right, beautiful ghosts from Cats. Yeah. Um, how the hell Cats got anything? Even if it is best original song, who knows? I think they were running low on nominees. Yeah, I'm gonna love me again. Rocket Man, Into the Unknown, Frozen Two, Spirit, The Lion King, Stand Up, Harriet. Yeah, all right, Rocket Man won it. Yep, I'm going to love you again. It's a new John uh, Elton John song for an Elton John film. And you're going to be so glad that we're done. <laughs> that was like a, a marathon, that was. Yeah, like my thumb hurts from scrolling down past all those categories. Too many categories. Too many categories. Maybe too many categories. We're not going to do this again for the Academy Awards. <laughs> we'll do this for the Oscars, but there's a lot less awards and we can skip some out. Yes. As you know, we, uh, we won't skip some out. We won't hang on, like, we'll know more stuff from the Academy Awards because yeah. there's less television. That's yeah. what we missed out on a lot is television in the UK. Yeah, for sure. And also some of the films being released yeah. later over here as well. So let us know what you thought about our critiques of stuff that we haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you very much for listening. Let us know what you thought should have won. Let us know your thoughts on Jojo Rabbit. Yep, definitely that as well. We're intrigued to find out what other people thought. I've only really heard what we thought about it, so... Yeah, more insight is more good. Get in contact with us at Get Real Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Email us at GetRealPodUK at gmail.com. And yeah, that is everywhere to find us. Do you want to tell them where you can listen to the podcast? 
yeah, you can check the podcast out on Buzzsprout, which is where we host our podcast, um, as well as now everything should be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher soon. Um, and we're also should be available on Google Podcasts at some point. And iHeartRadio. And iHeartRadio. Um, tune in for Alexa, so you can listen to us on your home speakers. Yes. Um, as well as a couple of other podcast apps as well. So just check us out. Just look for us on there at Get Real Pod, um, the Get Real Podcast. Um, that's it. Make sure you leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. So helpful, thank you. It really helps us get ourselves out there. Um, obviously, this is only episode four, so any support is amazing. Uh, share us with friends. Share it on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Share us wherever you can. Thank you for the support so far. It is going well. And yeah. we hope to see you next time. Or hope you hear us next time. Yeah, look forward to having you listen to us next time. What an awkward way to <laughs> I hope you like us talking. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>